Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Very well, thank you. How are you? Not too bad. And also with Tom. How you doing? Uh, hello. Hello. Right, so, after the, the day yesterday that was um, filled with goals, not so much today, but we'll start off in um, in Group B, the first game of the day, where um, Portugal beat Morocco 1-0. Um, um, an early Cristiano Ronaldo header put Portugal 1-0 up, and um, it sent... Um, Morocco home from the World Cup early. Um, any thoughts on this game, James? Well, yeah, you fancy you fancy Morocco, so they've let you down a little bit. Here. They have, but I um, I stand by my choice, and um, I thought today they were very unlucky not to get at least a point. I thought they fought really hard. Belhenda forced a really good save from uh, Rui Patricio and so did Benatia as well. One decision I couldn't understand for the life of me is why he dropped Roman Saiz, who, 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 although they lost the first game, he played quite well and uh, he was replaced by uh, Da Costa. And uh, when that corner came in after four minutes and there was a lack of marking, I, I thought to myself, if Saiz was in there, things might have been a little bit different. But uh, they uh, they tried their best and they uh, they tried to create chances. It just didn't really have any cutting edge. And it's uh, a shame. It's unlucky that, so it's a shame. Two big chances in the area. Both fell to Benatia, didn't they? Yeah. He's only one set back 10 yards from goal. No. No, and it's, uh, it's a shame for them that their first World Cup in 20 years has ended in such a way. But they plan to give their all in their final game against Spain to get something and leave the tournament with their head held high. And it's just um, it's just one of those things, really. But I think <clears throat> there is quality in that in that team. You saw with Dirar and Ciech and Benatia is well-known as well. So there, there is quality there. And I think it's just a lack of experience and maybe a little bit of nerves, especially in the opening game. And um, <clears throat> it's just a shame for Morocco in that respect. I think that's... Um... They've they've won sort of almost universal praise from sort of from a lot of um, journalists I've followed on Twitter, um, talking about sort of the quality of their football. It just seems that they um, perhaps are lacking a goal scorer. Would you say? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, uh, one I said when we were doing the preview pods that uh, I found it quite apparent that uh, and I was uh, selecting players from the Moroccan um, league with in in terms of. Um, Etihad Tanga and Raja Casablanca. But obviously he was doing that for a reason. And you think of casting the net wide and the European teams that uh, Moroccan players play for, you would have thought they would, would have been able to find a striker with a bit more with a bit more bite in them. But it obviously wasn't to be. But um, I thought their build-up play at times was very good indeed. Yeah, 
And you mentioned earlier about uh, sort of the the lack of marking. Lack of marking is almost an understatement. I mean, you, if you if you want to leave Cristiano Ronaldo with sort of three or four yards of space around him from a corner, you, you're asking for trouble. Yes, I agree. And so that that's Ronaldo with his fourth goal now, Tom. Um, that, that's got to put him massively favourite for the Golden Boot. We would expect so. He's guaranteed. They're pretty much guaranteed to get through this group. So there's another two games, and the way he's going, looks like as soon as he gets in front of goal, he just expects a net to bulge, don't you? So it, it seems like there's no other option than him, doesn't it? Like, and if you look back to previous tournaments where where um, f- five goals won it in 2010, six in, two, in four, 2014, he's already on four. Like you say, with a, a game to play. It, it seems like the writing's on the wall there already and that's a lot of money that I've lost I don't know about you well most of mine were joint joint requester bets with teams to win and top goal scorer which neither of which look anywhere near happening at the moment so uh, it's, it's, it's a fallacy isn't it this gambling's for, for fools I know it's, it's almost as if most people lose <laughs> <laughs> Right, so moving on to the second game of the day, where um, another one no win. Um, this time Uruguay, where um, uh, uh, Luis Suarez winning his 100th cap for Uruguay put um, put them ahead after after 23 minutes. And um, again, another team whose World Cup dream is over, Saudi Arabia. A lot of people expecting uh, lots of goals in this game. Talk of. Uh, Talk of talk of double digits was was maybe hyperbole from some, but um, people expected Uruguay's potent potent attack attacking force to uh, to put Saudi Arabia, who conceded five against Russia, to the to the sword, and that is not what we saw today. It was a bit of a nothing game, really. I thought you expect you expected Uruguay to come out and attack, but they didn't. They just. I don't know whether it's complacency on their part that they've got the supposedly easiest group that they're just happy to just pinch a win and get through to knockout stages and then start playing. You, you wonder whether they're ever going to start playing. Exactly. Because I think they are a... Um, they, they, remind me, they remind me a, a lot of Atletico Madrid. They seem very disciplined, very defensively solid. Um, I really like the... Um, I like their central midfield pet partnership. Their um, their back four looks like it could go days without conceding a goal, and they just seem to be playing on this idea that Suarez and Cavani will pick them up a goal. Any thoughts on that, James? I think they'll be more expansive in the, in the in the last six, from the last sixteen onwards. I think it's quite it's um, it's quite common news that Tabares is a um, is a very conservative manager, you know, who would view a a two 0 win as a as a as a result which you can be cock a hoof about when when his team may look may look for more goals, but um I think they're just saving I think keep I think they're keeping their powder dry a little bit. I thought it was very um I thought the substitute that came on Diego Laxalt who plays for Genoa in Italy I thought he he done very well he added something different to them. And um, I just think they're keeping their powder dry. They know that if they beat uh, if they beat Russia, they top the group. And uh, if you think of their um, 
their um, the way they went about their business in 2010 when they reached the semi-final they they slowly went about their business and, and got further and further into the competition and I think we'll see the same uh, I think we'll see the same blue, blueprint this time around um, uh, what did you think of, of um, Luis Suarez's performance today um, in, in a lot of areas um, in the media after the first game um, attracted a lot of criticism talk of him um bit slow, bit, uh, people were suggesting he was overweight. Um, for me, watching the, that first game, I thought that it, actually it was a case of a player who was getting in a lot of the right positions and just a little bit rusty on his finishing. Um, his, his 100th game, as we said for Uruguay today, got himself a goal. Was Should Uruguay fans be happy with what they saw? Well, they've, they've won two out of two and they haven't conceded, so... But I, I mean, I'm, I'm talking specifically yeah. about Suarez. Was was the more should people were people who were criticising him after the first game? Are they were they going to be happier today? I don't think he was unplayable or anything special today. But he got his goal, and he won in the game. So it's a start, isn't it, James? I agree. I think I think the people that were picking holes from the beginning, you know, this is the tournament that consists of 32 nations where many, many players are, are known all, all around the world and you're not going to have the majority firing on all cylinders after one game. So I think it's just some journalists and fans uh, picking, nitpicking and, uh, and expecting perhaps a little bit too much. But I think uh, I think he'll be uh, Johnny on the spot sooner rather than later in the uh, Maybe against Russia or even in the last 16 where they may well eat their words. I think that um, some of that talk about him, him looking overweight is uh, is a little bit harsh. I think you've got some problems there with those, um, those Uruguay jerseys are very unforgiving. And when you're playing alongside Cavani, who's a bit of a, a Greek god of a man, you're, you're never going to look, look like the fittest guy in the room, are you? No. <laughs> just yeah, just no. Um, okay, um, and then moving on from there, we had um, the final game of the day: uh, Iran versus Spain. Um, another one-nil win for Spain. Um, a lot of criticism on the, on ITV's coverage today about um, the performance from Iran. What did you two think, Tom? Was the criticism valid? It's embarrassing at times, really, isn't it? And it's not—it's not just Iran. They singled out Iran, but uh, Rio Ferdinand said on the BBC coverage earlier on in the day about the play acting in, from the Uruguay players in the, and in the Portugal game as well. He said and Pepe, especially. No, uh, I don't believe uh, you. It's—it's—he's—he's he, brought up the point that do the players not look back on it and feel embarrassed about the, themselves and what they've done, but. Do you reckon they do? No, I don't think so. I think some players are just so driven to win at all costs that they're not concerned with that. I can't see them. Um, I can't see them um, rewinding back uh, footage of something they've done and, and becoming embarrassed because I think a lot of them are, are there to win, and they're just so hell bent on winning at all costs. But I can't see them, uh, especially at that level, and and with the games coming thick and fast with uh, club commitments and international commitments, I think they're just doing in their own minds what needs to be done in order for them to win. Yeah, absolutely. I think when you look back at something that Colin and I talked about yesterday was um, 
which you look at the uh, in the Japan game where the, the goalkeeper carries the ball over the line. There's how many how many cameras in the stadium? There's goal line technology, and he's still appealing that it didn't. There's no way you, if you're going to do that, there's, nothing's going to embarrass you, surely. I guess so. With the VAR as well now, you still exactly. see going down. It's, it's, they're not the sharpest tools in the box, are they? <laughs> um, um, what do we think about Spain's performance? Um, uh, speaking for myself here, I thought that from the first round of games that they um, they gave us the most impressive performance of the World Cup so far. Um, a much much different challenge they had today when they're playing are playing against the Saran team who uh, were coming to spoil the party. Um, Spain ended, ended the game with 78% possession, 18 shots on target to seven. Um, Iran didn't even manage a shot on target. Um, is this just sort of job done by Spain? or it was, like the, it was like the Spain of old, the ones that won three tournaments in a row, wasn't it? Just keep possession, patiently wait, and win 1-0. Yeah. Get the job done. And, and if you want to gamble and win, draw, draw half-time, Spain full-time. Yeah. I don't know. What, what did you think of, of Spain's performance, James? Um, yeah, I thought it was measured. I think um, I think they went about it in the right way. I thought it was interesting with uh, Asensio coming on as a sub, you know, and Hierro uh, mixing it up a little bit with uh, giving him and Rodrigo the, the chance to, to get a bit of World Cup experience under their belt. And um, the, Iniesta, again, even for his, for his age, to give such important passes and to be a real important part of that team still it's very very impressive I mean his, his ball uh, his ball into Costa that led to the goal you know the timing of that to, to wait to wait an extra second or two before releasing that ball you, you can't teach that kind of thing and uh, he's got that kind of magic in spades and uh, I think it, I think it's just showing how important he is to Spain even now I think what was really interesting for me where to distance this team from that that Del Bosque team that uh, Tom was talking about earlier was um, the fact that um, Herrera clearly took a, uh, a holistic approach and looked at it and said that um, Iran were going to be a very different beast to Portugal and decided he didn't need two players in the middle of his midfield, dropped Coquet and played played Vasquez. Do you think that that um, do you think that was an important change or do, do you think that? Any eleven that he put out could have won this game. Well, to be honest, they might play in slightly different positions, but they're still as good on the ball as each other. They're still going to keep the ball. They're still going to play in a similar way, no matter who, which sort of attacking midfield players they have on the pitch. So, I think there's they could have picked a number of players out there today, and the result end result being the same. Even Nacho Monreal. Let's not let's not go too far. <laughs> Just switching um, it quickly to club level, as an Arsenal fan, I thought Monreal was our player of the season last year, but that tells its own story. Doesn't that say more about Arsenal than Spain? It certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what, we, what we say about sort of this this level of dominance that, um, that Spain appeared to have here, um, I think Iran weren't without their chances. In fact, the, the effort they had on goal... Um, I think it was something like ninety odd seconds before before Spain scored was um, was one that perhaps they should have done better. Do you think? Well, I think I thought he was in at first. Did, did it went all Raheem Sterling on you, did it? Yeah, no, I didn't quite celebrate that hard. <laughs> it, I, 
was just unfortunate, really, wasn't it? There's, there was there were so many bodies in the way. It was it could only gone through a small gap. I mean, they saw they had a goal disallowed as well, rightly by VAR. As well. Yeah, so yeah. It, for, the, I forgot about that. I did forget about that. They got a goal disallowed for for offside, um, and they also had. Um, forgive me for not knowing any of the, the around players' names. Um, so, one particular player had an absolute towering header at the far post at one point, where he, he probably should have scored as well. Yeah, it was a great um, cross for that. It was a great cross for that chance, and it, maybe it just came to him too quickly. But he uh, he just uh, he went for it straight away, and it, it wasn't too far away. No, absolutely not. So that, after that, that leaves um, Spain on top of on top of Group B by um, I believe separated by fair play because they've had the fewest bookings on four points. Portugal. Portugal in second on four points, Iran on three points, so it's still going to be sniffing a result against Portugal to, to make it through to the knockout stages. Do we give them any semblance of a chance? Well, realistically, they've got to beat Portugal to qualify, haven't they? Because you can't see Spain losing to Morocco. I mean, it could happen, but you just got to think that Portugal are going to be too strong for Iran. Two real shithouse teams. Go I think they. I think they need Spain to lose two nil as well because I think. Uh, uh, am I not right, James? I'm thinking that it gets separate. If it was one nil, it get separated on head to head, and Spain have just beat them. No, uh, first and foremost, it's goal difference, which is the which is the tiebreaker, and then if uh, both teams are on the same amount of goals, goal difference, then it goes on the highest number of goals scored. And Spain will have scored more anyway. So. But, if, but if Spain lose, if Spain lose one nil, and Port, oh, it depends. I suppose if it was a score draw. And Spain, they'd have, they'd have to. Morocco, Iran have to draw with Portugal four all, aren't they? So to knock Spain out, probably. So you're looking at the beating Portugal. Can they beat Portugal? We've just seen a relatively solid defensive performance from them. I think they'll take a lot of heart that they've already got three points. And I think that if you'd have said to Iran going into the final uh, group game that you. Uh, You've already got three points in the bag to to seal your own destiny. Destiny, you have to win your final game, regardless of opposition. I think they would have took that. So it'll be the carrot. It will be the carrot for them. But uh, it's just whether the quality will be uh, will be too much for Portugal. And I thought uh, for today, Ronaldo with after four minutes with the, with the header and uh, and also as well, I think Fernando Santos deserves a lot of credit. You know, I think one one thing that I, I watched the footage of the inside the tunnel area. And before the Portuguese players go out on the pitch, he's tapping every single one of them on the shoulder and giving them a bit of encouragement. I think this this kind of man management at that level, even for players that are maybe not as experienced as Cristiano, it, it must help them. So I think um, I think they're slowly coming together, and obviously their talisman is 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 pulling all the strings to make them to make them go forward. I think the one thing about Iran that I was really impressed with them today was I think that they're clearly a very well coached side. Like you could see that from sort of their positional and tactical discipline while the game was at nil nil. But if you see, as soon as Spain scored, um, they know exactly what to do to um, to try and pr- press the game. They didn't do a particularly good job of it, but they they were able to switch from playing a very very deep deep block to trying to press Spain right up the pitch knowing that sort of they had to take the initiative um, and I think you can see a lot of teams a lot of Premier League teams you'll see where they play with that sort of that deep block and it's a case that they concede a goal and there's nowhere they can go from there and to see a, a national team be able to change that up 
was was impressive, even if they did lose the game. Well, that's what they're going to have to do against Portugal, isn't it? I mean, they came out there for the majority of the game trying to survive against Spain, knowing they wouldn't have much of the ball, but they can't just sit there and take a nil-nil against Portugal because they know it'll probably see them about the tournament. So they're going to have to change up where they play. They're quite a defensive team. So they're going to have to go out and press Portugal. They're going to have to try and create chances. For me, I don't know. I'd like to get your thoughts on James, but I thought that in both the games, defensively, Portugal have looked very shaky. So, again, that's that's something Iran can take some some heart from now. Definitely, definitely. I think uh, Morocco with the chances they had today, especially aerial chances, that um, you know, if if you get at Portugal and if you go at them, there is uh, there is joy to be had there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And also going going further on into the competition with the potential matchups. You know, it's uh, it's do or die with uh, potential extra time or penalties. And I think I think we'll see many many a twist and turn. But with with that defence, I think there's one defender who. Uh, for Portugal, who I think is very underrated, and that's uh, Southampton's uh, Cedric Cedric uh, Suarez. I think he's uh, I think he's very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, just just quickly, uh, something Colin and I touched on, but um, this is the first opportunity to speak to the the two of you since um, we've seen every team now. Um, what's your um, initial thoughts on this World Cup after seeing um, seeing every team, Tom? Wow, confusing. The teams expected to do well struggled. I thought Brazil, Argentina, Germany thought they thought they'd do well early on. They all struggled, and it's weird to say the team I've been most impressed by is Russia. I never thought I'd be saying that. I think James, any thoughts on that? I think it's been a World Cup full of surprises. I mean, you saw with uh, Senegal beating Poland that nobody expected that, and Japan beating uh, Colombia. It's just, it's just a World Cup full of surprises. Where, as Tom says, you know, major nations that we thought were going to steamroll certain teams just haven't. And uh, I think it's a it's a great taster going forward. You know, because every World Cup has its own rhythm and uh, and special moments and special memories. But I I do agree with Tom about Russia. I think. Um, I think the manager's done well. I think they're, uh, the 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 forward they've got uh, Shuba, I think it is. I know people talk about Cherchov, who's rightfully doing ever so well, but I think the uh, uh, the, the 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 guy that plays for Senif St Petersburg, who also scored uh, last night, is uh, he's a bit of a tank. He's well built, but I think he's very useful indeed. He's more than a tank. He looks he looks like someone's put legs on a wardrobe. <laughs> What that is a fantastic metaphor. Very good. So, so, so um, the the other thing I think in, in terms of the surprises, James, you, as you mentioned there, you haven't even mentioned the, the sort of the, the poor performances we've seen from what we would consider to be the bigger teams in sort of Brazil, Germany, Argentina. Um, of those sort of major nations, as they as it were, maybe which one of them do you think is in the in the most trouble? Argentina, I think, are the ones in the most trouble because when I watched that game against Iceland, everything was going through Messi and it brought back to my mind how well uh, Alejandro Sabella did when he was in charge of Argentina four years ago and he got them to a final. Their man management to get that Argentina team from four years ago to that final and they were very unlucky not to win it. 
And it just goes to show now that uh, Sapaoli has got Tagliafico, who's had a fantastic debut season here in, here in the Netherlands for Ajax. He's been one of the shining lights, but you wouldn't necessarily have thought for the left-back playing for Ajax in the Dutch league, which isn't of the highest quality, but it's an acquired taste. You wouldn't necessarily think that he would start as a left-back for his country. I mean, when you look at the the left-backs they've had in the past with uh, Sorin and uh, Diego Placente and and these types of players, you know. But, but I think... Um, I think Argentina really have to watch their back and uh, I think if they harbour ambitions of going through, they must win tomorrow against Croatia. How about you, Tom? Agree with that? Uh, yeah, they've got a very tough game tomorrow uh, Tomorrow against Croatia as well, who are a good side. But God, Germany are going to be struggling as well, aren't they? I mean, Argentina got a point out of their first game, so it's not the end of the world, but Argentina to lose their first game without scoring... It's going to be a real struggle for them. Sweden, no mugs either. No, and, um, well, do, do we think the, the curse of, the, what, the relatively recent curse of the holders is going to strike again? I believe it's three of the last four World Cups the holders haven't made it out of the group. I don't think it will happen to Germany. No? No, I, I don't. I don't. I just think it's a touch of arrogance to. They've brought. They seem to have brought players in the squad for this World Cup that they plan to use in the next World Cup. And I think that type of arrogance at this level, surely, especially with the experience that Joachim Lowe has, surely you would get on with the job in hand. You wouldn't be so arrogant as to think, right, OK, we've got five or six players that we're going to use in four years' time in Qatar. I don't really think you should be doing stuff like that and messing around like that. So I think he's just, I think he's pushed it a little bit too far. But I think players like Thomas Muller and especially Tony Kroos, I think I think they'll come together to see them over the line. But I think they may well finish second in their group. Yeah, well, it's Mexico's to lose now, isn't it? And um, j- just quickly, both of you, um, your favourite moment of the World Cup so far? Start with you, James. Oof, there's a, there's a lot. Um... Oh, it, it, it put me on the spot with that one, Adam. Um, I think I think I would have to say, as an Englishman, uh, I'd say the injury time. Um, I'd say the in- injury time winner from Harry Kane, because we always appeared and and we always struggle against African nations. And I I've, I didn't expect it to happen. And then that corner come in and we won two one. So uh, a little bit biased, of course. I'll have to have a think about future moments and have a bit of a reflection. But uh, I would choose that England's win against Tunisia. And you, Tom? Well, I can't really disagree with that, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, seeing, seeing your team in the first game of the World Cup, scoring the 90th minute winner, it doesn't yeah. really get a lot better than that, does it, at the moment? But we'll right. see how it goes. It cost, it cost me a tenner in dry cleaning as I got covered in beer, but apart from that... <laughs> well, I was already working behind the bar at the time, so... <laughs> Well, not so bad for you. So, we talk about England. What do we think about this news of Gareth Southgate, his dislocated shoulder? Too much celebrating. Yeah? He's going to struggle to do his fist pumps when we win in the last minute against Panama, isn't he? Do you think that's his beer drinking up? Drinking up. Do you reckon that's what it is? <laughs> it must be. <laughs> so, t- t- tomorrow brings us Group C, where we've got... We, the day starts off with um, Denmark versus Australia. Um one o'clock UK time, followed by France Peru yeah, at four o'clock. Um, Disappointing that we that another group that could easily be tied up by, by looked, going into this. It does look like it's all going to be over in that group as well, doesn't it? And then just yeah. France 
France against Denmark for the see who wins it in the final game. Because yeah. you can't really see Peru causing France that many problems, even though France were at their, weren't at their best in the first game. And you'd, you'd ex- fully expect Denmark to improve and beat Australia as well. Yeah, very average Australia. And then, uh, as um, James mentioned, Argentina versus Croatia, that's going to be an absolute barn burner of a game, isn't it? So much riding on it. Um, can Croatia pull out a little, a little stop? Maradona's already told them not to come home if they can't get out of the group. Well, they have, they could, in theory, be almost out if they lose tomorrow, couldn't they? It, it, it would look well, uh, not mathematically but it, 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 it would depend what Iceland did the following day against Nigeria wouldn't it yeah yeah well yeah so well a lot of football a lot of football still to look forward to and we're only like I said seven days in so um, thank you very much for your for your help this evening guys um, James where can people find you on, um, on Twitter if they want to to carry on the debate uh, they can find me on Twitter at, at James Rowe NL. Okay, and Tom? And you can find me at Elano11. Okay, that's what, for some quality thinking, I assume, yeah? Mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> but as, as long as there's no. Uh, well, as, uh, as long as I'm not tweeting betting tips, don't follow them because it's awful. I've got, I think I've got. I think I've got fifty pound on different first goal scorers, and I haven't got a single goal scored by any of them yet. How many did you choose? Um, I've got money on Cavani. Yeah. Olivier Giroud. Okay. Uh, Mandzukic. All right. Mitrovic. Okay. Isco. All right. And Tino Werner. Okay. Well, I chose Robert Lewandowski, and that was the only one I chose. Okay. Well, I'm doing as well as you, so I don't feel <laughs> so bad. Well, and to be fair, one of my requested bets involved Cristiano Ronaldo not scoring a goal, so that was dead after three minutes of one game. Oh. <laughs> Adam, did you did you choose multiple winners as well? Uh, what for the tournament? Yeah, no, just Spain. Okay, all right. Okay, I just thought I wondered if you did the same uh, with uh, with with the potential winners as what you've done with the goal scorers. No, I've been I've been placing some of these since the beginning of the year, so um, I've got some quite good odds on some of them, but. Good odds are nothing if they're not if they're not result scoring your goals, are they? No. Anyway, right. So with that, we'll um, we'll tie up this this uh, this episode. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at Man on the Post. Um, I believe that's the same handle for our Instagram, where you can see some um, some beautiful drawings of sort of the, the star players of the day to set, help help celebrate and sell our podcast. Um, only thing is to say thanks again, Tom. Thank you. And James? You're more than welcome, and you did a very good job as host, Adam, I must say. A round of applause. Uh, you hear that, Ross? I'm coming for you. Anyway, so uh, don't screw up the last line. That's the last the bit I haven't remembered. So with that, always remember to have your man on the post. <laughs>